Welcome to The Truth Simply Put, the teaching broadcast vehicle of the Basilea Commission. On today's teaching by Alexander Victor, God's Word, rightly divided in the light of Christ, who is the central theme of the entire scriptures, will come with simplicity, precision, clarity, and power to instruct, admonish, edify, and build you up into the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, let's dive straight in. I haven't dealt with storms that came your way that were not yours to tackle. You headed in the wrong direction or you ignored an instruction. So you encountered a storm that didn't have your name on it. Now he's able to deliver you from it. He does, but when you encounter that species of storm, you have to learn lessons. I haven't talked about the storms that come your way where you sit down and you learn how to blame yourself righteously. Because you know we're quick to abdicate responsibility for something that went wrong. Because the average person's coping mechanism is to make themselves a victim of circumstance when sometimes they were the facilitator of the circumstance. You know, one of the ways we cope is to play victim. And you will not learn what you need to learn from that storm by playing victim. Because sometimes you just had to head a different direction. Sometimes you had to listen to a particular instruction. Sometimes you had to make a lifestyle adjustment. Sometimes you had to stop eating that food or start eating that food. That's all. Sometimes you had to watch your temper. Sometimes you had to learn to respect authority. Sometimes you had to learn to let your ego die. And so you didn't allow your ego die. You didn't allow your selfishness or your stubbornness or obstinacy not to get the better of you. So you find yourself in a storm that was not of your making. Because that storm was not designed for you. Paul is born in Tarsus. Tarsus is about 900 miles, I believe, from where Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Um, I know his name. I taught you in this house that he is not Saul who became Paul. Because in this house we killed it. Some of you, some of you were shocked when I showed you in scripture. His name was never changed. They're both his names. Yeah, Paul was his recognized pronunciation of his name Saul. Or the Hebrew pronunciation Shaul. Which is how it's you know, pronounced in Hebrew. And I'm interested to know that Saul was from Tarsus. And the, the, the major guys in Tarsus were migrants from the tribe of Benjamin. So according to Bible history, Saul was named after their tribal progenitor, Saul of Kish. King Saul. So that's how Paul is a Hebrew. And he defines himself, I think, in Philippians 2 as Hebrew of Hebrews. And that's the case because Tarsus was a commercial nerve center of, of trade. In, in his time, right? It was a port city. It was the headquarters of Cilicia. Um, and it was a very prosperous settlement, which means that Saul's family would have been very influential. In fact, Bible history has it that Saul's family were landowners. Okay, so about, about a few years after the advent of Jesus, the Romans, all Greeks, you know, now you can look at Rome as different from Greek. But back in the day, yeah, the Romans were Greeks. Yeah, they, that's why they were called Greco-Romans. Right? So they, they, they conquered Italy and made Rome their headquarters. Does that make sense? So they took over indigenous Romans. Does that make sense? Alexander the Great took everything. The, the entire known world was controlled by the Greeks at the time. So the Greeks conquer... Tarsus, right? And Tarsus, just like Jerusalem in Jesus' time, was controlled by the Romans. Does that make sense? That's why you had a Herod. That's why you had a Caesar. That's why you had a Pilate who was governor of Judea. Make sense? So, um, but then there, there was a, uh, um, there was an edict that the Romans will do when they go to a place. They would consider, because they were not 
conquering you and killing you as such. With, with Alexander the Great, they changed it such that even before him, such that when you get to a place, you instead settle in the place and then inculcate them with your culture. So they were not wiping and killing people like the Persian Empire was doing. It also meant that if you had land in the place where they conquered, they left you with your land and gave you Roman citizenship. Because you were a landowner and therefore a person of influence. So that's how Saul's family in Tarsus would have been wealthy and would have received Roman citizenship, including Saul, even though he was Hebrew. So it was Hebrew who had Roman citizenship. Make sense? Bible history will further tell you that because of how influential his family was, that they were actually very close friends with Gamaliel, who was the leading teacher of the law at the time. Hence, they could arrange for Saul to study under Gamaliel. Right? And then, of course, he learns other Gamaliel, who's the quintessential law teacher of his time. Gamaliel was the professor emeritus in law matters. In fact, Bible history has it that his, his specialty of law was how to make law that was given in the time of Moses applicable in the Jewish era of his day. That was Gamaliel's specialty, how to make the law work now. Yeah. But that was his thing, and he was pretty good at it. So if anyone after Gamaliel understood how to work the law, it was Saul, also called Paul. So Paul wasn't teaching law just by what he read in the Torah. He had been taught the law and how to apply it now. Do you understand? And he gets into one trouble after the other because he believes that Jesus that was the Messiah and is now glorified after he resurrected and what happened to Jesus will happen to us. Like I showed you, the power of the gospel, that was Paul's major crime. Ultimately, it began to get really bad. The Jews want him dead wherever he went. Scheme to kill him. So Paul actually appealed, that's why I told you this backstory. Paul actually appealed to Caesar on two counts. One, he was a Greek citizen or a Roman citizen. And I've just told you how that happened. Because you know, sometimes you read your Bible, it doesn't say some things. And you're wondering how is he Jewish and how is he Greek? I've just taught that to you. Okay? So, one, he appeals to Caesar because he has a right to. He's, he's Roman. That's why they freaked out when they realized they had flogged him. And they realized he was Roman. Because you don't do, it's just Jewish slaves you flog. You don't do that to Romans. They understood democracy at that time. So his first reason was that he was a Greek citizen. So he appealed to Caesar. Secondly, because all the Jewish leaders wanted him dead. Does that make sense? So it was also his way of, for lack of a better word, saving his life or prolonging his life so he would preach the gospel more. Not because he was afraid of dying. Does that make sense? Because he would refer to himself as a drink offering being poured out. He wasn't afraid of dying. He said all the things that I were gained, I count as dung for the excellency of the gospel. He says, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are led like sheep to the slaughter. Do you understand? Paul was not afraid of, of dying. He said, for me to leave is Christ, to die is gain. You know, that was a dead man talking. So it wasn't him trying to play the game of survival. It was him trying to stay alive long enough to reach further people, particularly Gentiles, with the gospel. It's on these two counts that he appeals to Caesar and then they set out in Acts 27 to 28. And Luke, who wrote the book of Acts or the letter of Acts to, to Theophilus, is taking time to painstakingly recount the, the stops that they were making as they journeyed in the boat heading towards Rome. Paul is a prized passenger on that ship. Do you understand? He's a Roman citizen who is notorious, who is known, who his people want dead, or who has appealed to Caesar. So the Roman guards must ensure that this high-priced guy gets to Caesar. Otherwise, they themselves are going to be in a lot of trouble. Do you get the picture now? So there's a lot at stake. A lot is at stake. 
And so Luke is explaining this journey because he traveled as companions of Paul and explained that we stopped by here, we went by Cilicia, the wind, the wind was tough here, so we went that way. And then he gets to the point where he starts to explain that Paul saw a storm coming. And he tells the shipmaster, let's stay here. Heaven's Lakes, I think the place is called. Let's stay here. But the Bible says it was an open shore, open um, harbor. Open harbor is a side of the sea where a ship docks, where there's no natural elements deflecting the storms. So even though the ship is parked at the shore, it can be battered and be shipwrecked at shore. Does that make sense? So a natural or a guarded harbor is a harbor like a peninsula that is inside a bit of land. So where the boat comes from the open waters and comes to the harbor, there's a little bit of land, like cliffs or something, guarding that harbor. So that harbor is safer to, to winter. Stay in a place for a prolonged period. Make sense? And where they were was an open harbor, the Bible says. And so, naturally speaking, all the other sailors said, we can't stay here for winters and open harbor. Let's go on to Phoenix. That was the next port. Acts 27 into 28. And because it made more uh, naval sense or, or seaman sense, for lack of a better maritime sense. Thank you. That's what God, yeah, you know something. Yeah. Maritime, that's what I was looking for. And so, put it up, put it up so they, they can tell as much as they're enjoying my story, it is from the scriptures. I'm just a good storyteller. And, and because, go back, go back, go back a little bit. Go back to 13. Uh, 11, I beg your pardon. 11. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by things spoken by Paul, 12. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix. A harbor of Crete opening towards the southwest and northwest and winter there. Right? I want to see the place of that name of that place. Heaven's Lakes or something like that. Go back to like 9 or 10. I want to remember it. Fair Heavens, that's it. Passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Heavens near the city of Lassia. 9. Now, when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them. Paul advised them. Saying, men, I perceive that this voyage will end in disaster. See why I say I haven't finished teaching victory consciousness. Disaster and loss, not only of the cargo and sheep, but also our lives. So he tells them in verse 11. Nevertheless, the Sanctuary was more persuaded by the hemsman and the owner of the sheep than by the things spoken by Paul, 12. And because the harbor was not suitable to wintering, the majority advised to set sail from there. Also, by any means, they may reach Phoenix, the harbor of Crete, and winter there, 13. Next verse. When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire. <laughs> ah, be careful if everything is working how you want it. I, I, I don't want to teach this thing yet. I'm, I'm not done. I'll come back to it. Be careful that everything in life is not, you cannot be persuaded outside what you want. Because such people have set themselves up as they know it all, be it all, do it all. Be careful if it takes a lot of effort to get you to change your mind. Even God is not that rigid. Go and study the scriptures. Why would he be negotiating with Abraham? 30. 25, 20, 10 even, 10. If he was that rigid, he would be passed off as obstinate. He's principled, but he's not obstinate. Oh, just like I keep saying, stick around. This scripture will go through it all. And people don't understand the nature of God, so they try to box him. But all through, he's showing himself as your father. You know what, Moses? I'm, I've had enough of Israel. I'm going to destroy all of them. That means God 
can destroy. Even if he doesn't. And there's a reason why he doesn't. That's not to suggest he never did. The only reason you're not destroyed is because of the current mediator. What if he wasn't there? And there was a time when he wasn't there. Let's understand scripture. There was a time. There was a time when you were not a people. And so Sansa Solomon would say, who will speak for her at the gate? We have a sister and she has no breasts. In your Bible, are you thinking scripture as being vulgar? No, no, it's painting the reality of your salvation. What will happen to her when it's time for her to be spoken of? Who will intercede for our sister, brethren? <laughs> what will be said of her when it's time for her to be spoken of? That's what Solomon writes in Songs of Solomon. And you read and go, oh, sister, no breast. What, what do they mean? Open your eyes. Because there was a time where we had a sister that no one could speak for her. What happened to her when it's time? Who will speak for her? So he came to speak for her. That's why the church is addressed in the feminine sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why the church is addressed in the feminine sense. Ha, she. Ha, she. And him, her brother, speaking for her. Because it's time. The time came. That we could speak for our sister. Yeah, but there was, there was such a time that there was no mediator. So be careful if, if you are so rigid. And God tells Moses, I will wipe everybody. I will make only you a great nation. Don't insult the, the possibility of God. God could have done wonderful things through Moses. Alone. God, God has what it takes to add a womb to Moses. Multiply his gestation period. If a, if a female dog can give birth to multiple puppies, by what power is that happening? If a so, a female pig can give birth to 22 piglets, by what power is that happening? Whose power? Whose power? So is it a human being he can't make do the same if he wanted to? We must be careful how we insult God in trying to explain him. So for some, for some reason, these things can happen by his power. These things cannot. So right there, he could have sped up Moses' gestation period. And you see Moses will drop an embryonic sack that contains 2 million fertilized eggs. Yes, sir. Yes. You, can't, you, can't, you can't say some things are scientifically possible and they are not divinely possible. Don't insult God. In, in our understanding of, of God, science is playing catch-up. Science is trying to play catch-up. There's nothing you're talking about. Why are we trying to clone bodies and, and get into immortality? Scientifically and genetically. Why are we in the science of genetic modification? Because you know that inside of you, there's something that... You, is in you that wants you to believe that this life is not all there is to life. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So God could have done it. God could have. He, he, didn't, he didn't say what he didn't mean. So when he said to Moses, I can make you a nation, he meant it. He meant it. And he could have meant it literally if he so desired. And it's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man, nor verse 23, that he should change his mind. I think it was 19 or thereabout. Ah, but Moses says to him, okay, so, so, so now. You brought these six million people out of Egypt. You don't want to kill them in the wilderness. So that the nations will now hear that you brought them out of Egypt. But you're not powerful enough. Moses poked his hand in God's eye. See, see you, small God. 
Amen. They, they call you Alpha Omega. You now did the Alpha. You now. <laughs> you now could not Omega rise it. See, God thought about it. God. Thought about it. Oh yeah. Well, you know, I hate to admit, but you have a point there, Moses. <laughs> You have a point there. So, yeah, okay. That's what a mediator does. Yes, sir. And Moses had the ears of God. And that's why God could give him an angel in Exodus 33 and Moses would refuse it. Angel. Is he angel that brought a lot of videos? We have walked to pillar of fire and we are seeing, not hyperbolically, not metaphorically. We are seeing the pillar of fire, the pillar of fire is seeing us. We are seeing pillar of cloud. Pillar of cloud is seeing us. Then you bring us here by fire and cloud and give us angel. No, you can do better. And God thought about it. And God went, okay, yeah, again. I don't like the way you're winning, but you have a point, actually. So yeah, okay, no angel. My presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. But God didn't volunteer that in the first instance. He volunteered an angel. Now, if we are imitating God, then you must learn to be flexible, though principled. If your boast always is in, nobody can change my mind. You are not imitating the spirit of God. Is anybody hearing me today? It's not something to pride in. It's Antichrist. It is. It is. It is. I can. I'll, I'll things I'll teach. It's okay. All right. I'll, my, my parents will go there. I'll give you peace. It's time for the feast in Jerusalem. Jesus said, I'm not going. Everybody got up to go to Jerusalem. Jesus said he wasn't going. When everybody was in Jerusalem, Jesus got up and said, I'm going to Jerusalem. That's when his disciples say, Ah, he's going to die. Okay, let's go with him that we too may die with him. And that's somebody who knows the end from the beginning. That's somebody who is not reactionary. He's principled, he knows all things. And yet he's flexible because he values relationship. He's been desperate to show himself as your father. But if you're, ah, once my mind is made up, I can't change it. Who is your example? Information is prevent, presented before your father and he considers it. You, revelation is given to you. You refuse it. Do you have sense? Facts and figures are given to you. You refuse it. You stay obstinate and you pride yourself in the fact that the word of God has not succeeded in breaking you down. You are forming strength against God's word. forming sense, you're forming yeah, you know what, yeah I, got it. I, know, I know they preached it all but now nah, I'm not ready yet if you're going through a problem and you cured yourself, you just inherited a bigger problem if you're going through a heartache and a pain and your healing came from yourself you're not healed if it came from what somebody told you, you're not healed take my word it will manifest it. You manifest, you run around and hurt and afresh as if it happened yesterday. You are not healed. Because if the word doesn't do it, nothing can. Nothing can. So you can't resist the word of God. I know you have preached this thing, but I know it was preached, but it's even who is preaching it that is even disturbing me. Wait, there's people like that. Yes, even in this church. You see truth, but it doesn't matter to you because, because of the person. Oh, yes. That's an unrenewed mind. That's a very dangerous person. Going somewhere to happen. Because it will happen. So victories, you learn. And before you know what's happening, they're in the storm. Because Paul spoke. But Paul is not a sailor. Do you understand? At least if it was Peter, 
Andrew. So everybody they live their lives on the sea. So they know one or two things about navigating boats. What has a tent maker got to tell us about reading the sea? That's why all the other sailors superimpose their professional opinion over what Paul saw by revelation. Imagination is God's gift to you to enable you to take you to where God has taken you so you can see it, come back, prepare, and go there. Don't mess with your imagination. That's why your mind must be renewed. Otherwise, you will dream up things that are not consistent with God's will for you. Don't choke with imagination. It's God's gift to his children to enable them to journey to what he has done for them. Journey to where he has taken them. See it, appreciate its beauty. Then come back, ready yourself and go there. So if you're not able to be influenced by God's word, you're not able to be influenced by divine instruction, you're not able to be influenced by instructions in righteousness, dream all you want, you will get there. Because God is not reactionary. You can't untwist God to deliver to you what he hasn't meant for you. You saw something with an unrenewed mind, you can't guarantee that it was God. Mm, you can't. So again, your mind must be clean. It must be clean for you to trust what your mind is showing you. Your mind must be washed. With God's word and nothing else. Not God's word sitting with something else. So he knows nothing. So how did he know that? By revelation. Because he read earlier in that chapter, chapter 27, he told them, he said, last night, an angel of the Lord came to me. He said, came to me and showed me. So it was by revelation that he knew. That the wind and the waves were contrary. But they despised him in favor of professional opinion. And like I said to you in Victory Consciousness Part 1 and 2, the storm doesn't happen to you. You happen to storms. It's you that's emotion. If we had stayed where we had stayed, even if it was an open place and not suitable for winter, at least we will not have gotten to that storm. So somebody else might have been caught up in the storm, but not our boat. (laughs) And so there was a time you despised the instruction and you ended up headlong in a storm that wasn't meant for you. And then boom, they're in the storm. And God did God show Paul loss of property and loss of life. Of course, they didn't die. But that wasn't because they were right. It was because in spite of the storm and in spite of your disobedience, somehow God is able to navigate it to show that he is faithful. That's why I've always said to you, don't think that because he worked out for you, you did it right. stubbornness, obstinacy. God is just being faithful. If we are faithless, he's faithful. He cannot deny. Are you learning anything? Uh, call this part three, if you like, of victory consciousness, before I start teaching for today. So boom, you're in a storm that you have no business with. And there's people, like I said to you in part two, there's people tied little boats. There's people tied to you. And here's what's happening now. The soldiers on the boat start contemplating killing the prisoners. Because the storm is guaranteed to break the boat apart. So instead of losing prisoners, at least we can give a report and well, no prisoner escaped when they could have because rather than lose them to the storm, we kill them all. Very deadly story. And then the captain remembered Paul is going straight to Caesar. We can't try it. 
the captain also couldn't say, kill everybody else and save Paul because they're all prisoners. So the captain says, don't kill anybody for the sake of Paul. And that's how God is able to take an obedient person and sometimes use them as a cover for those who are disobedient. So there are mercies you enjoy in your life. There are victories you enjoy in your life because of the relationships God brought you to. Don't think you are all that. You are so fine. Think you are so pretty. You are so skilled. You are so smart. I put on my Twitter yesterday. I said, some you, you get to a point where you just have to learn to love people as they are when you realize that people are not as smart as they think they are. You just learn to love them as is. Until. That's why it's very unfortunate if you turn around somebody that was a blessing to you. When you have not died and left the person in the earth. And of you are not very wise. Do you understand? It's not like you have died, you have graduated. You have left the person. You are here in the earth. And you turn your back on denigrate and desecrate and disrespect somebody that God used to be a blessing to you when probably nobody else could. You're not wise. Because there are mercies and blessings you enjoy because you met someone. Yes, yes, yes. Not because you were obedient. But you're under the canopy of somebody's obedience. New Testament. Mark left. Sharp contention arose between Paul and Barnabas on a journey. Because of Mark. According to the Bible, history, Mark had left them in ministry before on a journey. That's why Paul was vehement. I'm not, I'm not carrying your mark on this trip. And the church supported it. Because why will the church, why does this act say that the church laid hands on them and blessed them? Why did the church not lay hands on Barnabas and who he took with him, John Mark? What happened to the ministry of Barnabas that suddenly John Mark is now free? You get the, the thought process? If he tra- if Mark Barnabas took him and traveled, then he's like, yeah. at the point where Paul is now saying, bring John Mark with you. He's profitable for me. It means John Mark at that point was sat there doing nothing. He was back to base. What happened to the ministry of Barnabas? We don't hear anything else of Barnabas until Paul in 2 Corinthians when he's reading for the church and says, it's only Barnabas and I that I can marry. That's the next time you hear Barnabas' name. And he says, is it only Barnabas and I that cannot take a wife? That's all you hear of Barnabas' ministry. Which explains why John Mark was suddenly free. And now had time for Paul is in itinerary. In fact, he didn't say, ask Barnabas if he wants to come. He said, bring him with you. For his profitable to be for ministry. I think you enjoy by virtue of connections. Kingdom connections, kingdom relations. You get to the point where you start to go crazy. And you, you lose the calibration of the relationships God brings, God brings your way. That's Satan's way of quickly, quickly shortchanging you. Because what you have, what you enjoy, will fizzle out. So because of somebody else and what God is doing and the level of yieldedness, your school fees is paid. Your body is healed. You have a roof over your head. Your business takes off. And you quickly think that it was because of your calculation. No, you, you said you should keep going. Are you following the story? Yes. yes. Your professional opinion was that we should keep going. Don't stand here and form like you calculated it right. That you survived doesn't mean you were right. You said we should keep going. We could have stayed in fair heavens. But you said, no, let's get to Phoenix. Phoenix is better. And because it is us that happened to storms, you happened to the wrong storm. Start to throw things away to lighten the boat. They get to a shore. <laughs> when you go home, study Acts 27, 28. They get to a shore, and just when they're about to think, ah, God has delivered us, a wind blew that blew them out of the shore back into the open sea. 
They tried to fight it. They couldn't hold it anymore. So they allowed the seal for the wind to take them wherever the wind wanted to go. Very horrendous experience. Because somebody will not pay attention to divine instruction. They waiting for, for, you, for you to see a handwriting on the wall. Mene, mene. <laughs> Take care of our sins. Ah, it's God. I heard the voice of the Lord. And so you will abort certain manifestations of victories you already have because you are not attentive to instruction and because you were too rigid to be led. You know the most dangerous people in this world? People that believe that when they are wrong, they know. If I'm proud, I will know. If I'm making a mistake, oh no. you end up in storms that I know you're justified. And they lost everything. But God preserved them. Because in the middle of it, the person who saw God clearly, the one who saw the sun, gets up. Imagine the tempest hitting that boat. And it's a much bigger boat than the one Jesus and his disciples were in. This is a ship, it's a transport vessel. Paul stands in the middle of the boat and says, Guys, be of good cheer. Nobody will die. I'm here. In other words, you guys messed this one up. But my connection covers you. I'm not preaching your salvation. I'm talking your existence on the earth. Or else die and go and wait for us. If you're on the earth, it's governed by principles. Kingdom culture principles. This earth. You can't live in this earth as you like. No, you can't. There are principles. And Paul stands and says, don't worry. I told you. I wasn't a sailor, right? But because I'm here, nobody, nobody dies. And they found that place. And I've been there. Where they drop soundings, 90 feet, 60 feet, 30 feet. It's a jagged, jagged um, beach. It's not a sand beach in Melita, in Malta. Next to Pablo's residence where they welcomed him for a few days. It's a very small, very small beach. So the boats couldn't get too close because of the rocks around it. So that's why they kept dropping soundings. Something you drop to see how, how much of it went down. And then you measure what is left to know how deep those what soundings are. Yeah. So the anchor they dropped at 90 feet is there, still there in water. The one they dropped at 60 and the one they dropped at 30. And stayed there. Real stuff. I told you guys the story. I cried when I was, I was on that spot. Because I love Paul. I saw the little chapel they built where they made the fire. Something just came alive. You hear the locals in Malta telling you the story has been, as has been handed down to them generation after generation. And the ones that could swim swam. The ones that couldn't swim held on to something and came to shore. If that snake had beaten any of the other guys, they would have died. But it was their preservation it beat. <laughs> it was the reason for which they were alive and the snake bit kept them alive for them to take him to jail <laughs> kept them alive for them to deliver him to Caesar because they stayed in, in Malta for three months and then they left found another boat going to Alexandria so they put them on the boat by the time they got to Rome, they didn't know what to do with Paul anymore. They allowed him to rent his own house and live there in peace. And give me God. You know, just stay. Whenever Caesar is ready, he'll call you. And that's where Paul's story ends. In the book of Acts. So we, we, don't, we can't tell if he stood before Caesar. 
But people survived because they were connected to him even though they were out of place because they ignored divine instruction and so ran into a storm that was not meant for them. So there are some storms that when they come, when you find yourself in them, check the antecedents. What are the particulars leading up to this storm? Does it have my name on it? If it doesn't, you start to repent and learn the lessons. It is righteous to blame yourself sometimes. Yeah. Sit down, be honest with yourself. What was the problem? These things they said, these things they know, is it true? What my boss said, is there any truth to it? What my pastor, will my pastor just say something to me because he intends to hurt me? Or is that facts what my pastor is saying? This thing I've heard, I've heard from four people, five people. Am I being wise to ignore what everybody else is saying and think everybody's attacking me? Don't I sit down and pay attention to this thing that is a recurring decimal in my life? By the time you're that deliberate and conscious of your victories, then you know that there are some storms you won't even ever find yourself in. How much more believe God to take you out of? Because that storm was not about seeing Jesus. That storm was your foolishness. <laughs> because the narrative of this storm was nothing about seeing Jesus. Obey instruction. This particular case study now, part three, this storm, yeah. obey instruction. You can't say you are trying to see Jesus when he's appearing to you and telling you, go here. Yeah, 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 yes, yes, sir. Yeah. You can't say you're looking for him. He has, he has come to you. He said, do this. Don't do that. Go here. Don't go there. You can't say you're trying to hear God's voice. He's already speaking to you and giving you matching orders that are not comfortable with your current reality, so you ignore them and then you're in a storm. Now, he saves you from the storm because he's that faithful. He saves you so you can learn the lessons you ought to learn. And never find yourself in that special of storm again. And then, then, then we start looking for the storms that count. Does that make sense? Yeah. The righteous storms. The storms that make a man and shape him. And build your capacity to focus. Increase your determination and your sight. Sharpen your optics. That's what we should spend our time pursuing. And then you start to look forward to those storms with eagerness coming for you. So you want to enjoy victory? Be conscious of divine instructions. Or be conscious of divine instructions. The, the victor doesn't, the victor, the one who's, who has victory, who's conscious of victory, doesn't gloat over what they lost. Because by Acts 28, Paul just continues this night. Nothing happened. No shaking. He just keeps keep going. You know, Pablo says, come to my house. He, of course. That's, what, what else did I land in Malta for? Hey, let's go. He just goes on as though he didn't just come out of something that cost him his life. Same with Jesus in those two storms. Mark 4, Mark 6. They arrive and they just continue. What did we lose? How much was it that we lost? How are we going to? What the victor doesn't gloat over the loss. You count your blessings, you cut your losses, you keep moving. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? Count your blessings, cut your losses, keep moving. Otherwise, every testimony will be about what happened to you three years ago. You know that my rape, that my rape. I'm, see, I don't, I'm not condoning that nonsense. It's barbaric, it's satanic, it's low. It's animalistic. You don't force yourself on someone. You don't. You're a weakling. You are a weakling. You should be castrated. I'm not joking. You're sure you're not a, you're not a man. Why do you have to forcefully take what has not been given to you? What part of no don't you understand? So that's that, that one day. But now you are the victim. 
for the next 20 years, we can't hear what? You, you didn't win, man. You are subservient to a storm you are claiming you survived. No. You are captive to the storm. So you're not victory conscious. That's why most ministries are messed up, especially in African circles. Because most people, you see that nonsense that is said in church? is nonsense. You know, God turns your mess into a message. No! Jesus is the message. Nonsense. So nonsense that's happening. Nonsense religious jargon. That messes people up. God is able to take your mess and turn it into a mess. Which message? The message of the cross is foolishness to them that are perishing. But to us, the wisdom of God and the power of God. The message, not a message. Acts 20. Paul starts to speak to the elders in Ephesus. Huh? 22. And see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things, but 22, Acts 20, 22, that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit, 23, testifies in every... Look at this. Await me. And he's still going. <laughs> in every city. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dead to myself. So I may finish my race with joy. Look at this. And the ministry which I received from the Lord to testify. What is ministry? The minister defined it. Not to preach the Bible. To testify to the gospel of the grace. So if you are not preaching grace, you are not doing ministry. Boom. Call it something else. An empire, a money making machine, a gambling phenomenon. Call it whatever you want to call it. You're not doing ministry. The minister defined it. And before you go, well, is there grace and something else? Follow me. The ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. Put it back to testify the gospel of the grace of God, right? 24. 25. Next verse. And indeed now, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching. Oh, wait for this one. I know it, but I want you to see it by yourself before I say it. Preaching what? 24 ministry gospel of the grace of god 25 that ministry the gospel of the grace of god is the kingdom of god so to preach grace is to preach the kingdom to preach the kingdom is to preach grace it gets even juicier next verse next verse next verse next verse it gets even juicier therefore i testify to you this day that i'm innocent of the blood of all men keep going 27 for i have not shown to declare to you there what is the whole counsel of god grace full stop so once you preach the gospel of grace what have you preached everything god has to say Once you preach grace, what have you preached? Everything God has to say. A.K.A. the whole council. We're not preaching grace and something else to balance what God is saying. Grace is all God is saying. That's why Titus is saying chapter 2. Now the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared. To all men. <laughs> Grace of God appeared. <laughs> Put me in the ministry. 
testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That's why I could go everywhere preaching the kingdom of God. For I have not failed to declare to you that I love Paul. I love Paul. Just very systematic. Grace of God. What, what is that? He can preempt their, their questioning. What's he saying preaching the grace of God? Is he saying that? Yeah, yeah, I meant preaching the kingdom of God. Okay, the kingdom of God. So what can we bring the whole counsel of God? So your misfortune cannot give you a message. Be very careful. Very careful. There's an antichrist religious spirit. I repeat, it's embedded in new creation believers. It is. I'm not, I'm not talking to religion, right? I'm talking to you. I'm talking to new creation, sons of God. We're still borrowing a leaf from religion to interpret our circumstances. We, we still are. We still are. You're still borrowing a leaf from religion, from status quo, to explain what you're going through. So because you went through something. God, so if God is calling you because you went through something, he defeats the entire purpose of what he means when he says those he called. What did you do? Even good, even your good, he foreknew. He called. Good, you hadn't done. Bad, you hadn't done. You yeah. called. And then now, bad happened to you. Becomes the basis for your calling. That's why we have all sorts of nonsense in the body of Christ. Everybody's championing and advocating something in particular. We are called to preach the message. The message. The message. Not to form support groups for ex-smokers. Not to form a club where ex-drinkers go to gather and discuss how they overcame drinking. We're here to preach what? The message. Nothing else. In the process, by all means, help yourself. Support yourself. But don't, don't major on the minor and minor on the major. You never see anywhere Mary Magdalene climbs pulpit and say, you know, you don't remember me? Seven devils. He took it out. I know a thing or two about being possessed by devils. Here are ways you can handle, manage, or get rid of your demons. But Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached, her name will be mentioned with no reference to her devils. 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 That's it. If that's not instructive to you, nothing else is. No reference. What will be her reference? Her worship. Her prophetic foreshadowing of Jesus by anointing him for preservation. That's what that thing meant. The myrrh, that she, alabaster box, the spices, yes. is what was used to embalm your such strong spice that it embalms and keeps a body from decaying. Jesus had said, you will not suffer your holy one to see decay from David. So when she came, she foreshadowed the preservation of the saints from the preservation of Jesus by pouring myrrh on him. This myrrh was what was brought in the house where the baby Jesus was. Gold, frankincense, that was the same thing they carried on the Sabbath morning to go and look for Jesus' body. Let's add more spices over him so he doesn't decay. Uh, it was only a foreshadowing because before the spice could hit him, the spirit had raised him. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. Before the because you, you will not say it's myrrh that preserved him from decay. Was just a prophetic, prophetic foreshadowing. So Jesus says, wherever the gospel of this goodness, this goodness of gospel is preached, this woman's name will mention, and not for her ex anything. She doesn't become a professional in how to live your life after being possessed by devils. 
the light she found is too great to reference where she came from. The light she found is too great to reference where she came from. If your boast is in what you escaped, what you escaped, what you survived, you're, you're not victory conscious. You are subservient to the storm. To the storm. The storm is still ruling you. Hey, receive victory consciousness today. Yes, 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 victory consciousness. Consciousness that I won. Consciousness. Consciousness. There are things you need to see in God's word. You guys will cry. Open my eyes and I might behold wondrous things in your word. There are beautiful things to see in God's word. We are, we are never the message. Even at our best. <laughs> How much less? How much less? Never the message. At our best, though. How much less at our worst? You just have to reference your devils. And if you are there, then you are navigating waters of the storm when you're supposed to be basking in the aftermath of victory. <laughs> victory consciousness is a thing. <laughs> Is a thing. If you helped yourself, if you delivered yourself, you don't want to cure yourself of your madness. You're not cured. You're still mad. Yes. You start that you advise yourself. After the word of God came to you and did nothing. Wow. No, victors don't gloat over the loss. <laughs> They count their blessings, cut their losses, and keep moving. How many victors are in this room? Hear me. Until you are. Tell your neighbor this. There's more where that came from. Is in my teaching today. Now, if just now to him who is Dunami, he is able to do. See, as far as if I was Paul's student directly, by the time Paul was writing, as soon as he's saying, Do I say, Daddy, please stop? Let me help you. I will dip the thing in the ink and put a big full stop. Don't need to hear more. Now to him who is able to do the big force. That's all I need. He's able to do. That's all. For me, I'm disciple of Paul enough to know that that's enough. more a relationship a, a marriage a business a admission opportunities with all you are learning now because he's faithful there's more I said because he's faithful there's more Because he's faithful, there's more. There's more. Because he's faithful, there's got to be more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do you understand? Your, your father delights. Your father delights in beating his last record. Yeah. 
So you see us looking, showing up and showing off. Like, that's your father. Yes, sir. Yes, you, you, you serve a show off dad. Yes. He shows up, he shows off. That's why you can then add after the do. You cannot add exceedingly. <laughs> Abundantly. Above all. Because he shows up. So how you know. Hey, I'm speaking prophetically. How you know. That you are not the one compensating yourself for what you lost. Is that what you get next is better. And right now I don't care if you lost it by your own working. I don't care if you lost it accidentally. Or if you lost it deliberately. Or if you lost it foolishly. I, I said how you know that it is God doing it is that it will be better. Now to him who is able to do. So help yourself. Clean your mind. Because these things you only enter it by a, a renewed mind. Wash your mind. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Let God do what He is doing. Yes, <laughs> I'm conscious of my victories. Me. I don't have time to sit down and be gloating. That's why my life is very free and sweet. Look at me and think I should be troubled. Because what's troubling you is not, not troubling me. Yes, we're basking in victories won. We're basking in what? So be of good cheer. Afraid. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. Come here and test our service. It just flows from 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 this straight into that. It does. It does. What's coming is better. Just stop the gloating. Stop, stop, stop. Every altar you built around your misfortune, tear it down. God is not going to consult what you put on that altar to give you what is ahead of you. He's not pleased by the aroma on that altar. Any altar you built to glorify your pain, dismantle it now. God will not borrow from it. Hey, prophets of Baal built their thing. Did their thing all day when it was time. Elijah swept away everything that they did. And now started to build afresh. Bring me 12 stones. Each signifying the tribe of Israel. Start to build afresh, borrowing nothing from what had preceded. God doesn't need the ingredients of your past. To secure a future he has already been in. <laughs> so if you built an altar around your pain, you made a mistake. Rip it, rip it down violently. Whether you are the perpetrator or the victim, it matters not. It matters not. Check down. Give him chaos to beautify. Yes. Try and help him build something. Go, come on. I build this. Come and use it. No. 
Hallelujah. Victory consciousness is a state of being that highlights the possession of a conquering spirit. Well, that's it for today's teaching. We trust it has been worth your time. For more of these messages from our stables, kindly subscribe to our teaching podcast at www.thebasileacommission.podbean.com or via the Podbean app on your mobile device. For inquiries and further information, kindly send us an email to info at thebasileacommission.org or find us on social media with the handles at the truth simply put or at while the church. You can also send us an SMS, call us, or connect with us via WhatsApp on plus 234-70-881-8864. Finally, if you would like to give to support the work that we do, kindly follow the Patreon link in our podcast or contact our office for details. Thank you.